Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Man, I am so excited this morning. It's great to be here worshiping together. No place I would rather be than in the house of God, serving and worshiping and celebrating and joy this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, man, what a good day. We have been in this sermon series. The whole series has been called Next. We're about out of this. Not that we've figured out everything that's next, but uh, I think we've set you up to understand a little bit about it. But that's one of our big questions is, what is next? What happens next? What's going to happen? And we kept saying, hey, the best is yet to come. Next, the best is yet to come. And my desire in my heart for all of you is that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I am so glad you're here uh, because I would like to tell you about that. Jesus, who we sang about this morning, and as Pastor Mark prayed and shared in the scripture through the cross of Jesus Christ, he went to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could have relationship with our Heavenly Father, so we could receive the love of God. And all he says is call upon his name. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That you believe in what he's done for you. And then we begin to live our lives realizing that we are on purpose, that God created each one of us in here. So we're talking about this in this next series. This has been the whole deal. What's next? Well, you have to know that you're on purpose. You cannot think that you are an accident. And, and I said, I, you know, my mom and dad, they, you know, they said, we didn't expect you, Robbie. Um, you know, I'm not going to live my life believing I was an accident. God had a plan and a purpose for me. And, and uh, so you are here this morning. We we absolutely believe that you came into this place, whether you just wandered into this morning, um, you've never been to church before, or maybe God brought you in this place just today. He brought you here on purpose, on purpose, and he's got a message that he wants you to take away with you. He's got something he wants to share with you today. So we open up our hearts and our minds to God, and we realize, God, thank you that I am on purpose. It's no accident that I exist. It's no accident that I'm here. I also don't believe it's an accident that this church is here. That, that this location, that where we're at right now, God has made us on purpose right here. So we say, what's next? Well, we have to be on mission then. So we've been talking through, what does that mean to be on mission? And God has a mission for us. It's called the Great Commission. He says, go, all, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, making disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that we go into the world. And our mission is to tell everyone that we have a purpose, that God created us on purpose, that we are not an accident. We are God's masterpiece created in the image of God, and he loves us and desires relationship with us. We have this mission, and we're to do it with joy in our hearts. So in joy, in joy, we gather this morning. We celebrate this morning. You want to know what's next for you? If you walk on purpose, walk in mission, walk in joy, the best is yet to come, because we have heaven awaiting us. One day, no matter what you face here, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we're just on a journey through this world. This world's not my home. We have to believe that, church. That brings hope, hope in eternal salvation, hope to see the ones that have gone before us one day again, a family reunion for those who believe in Jesus Christ. So 
I love this. This is what we've been talking about. It's what the church is about. It's what we are about as followers of Jesus Christ is living on purpose, living on mission, living in joy. So what we believe here at Church United then is the fact that those values, how we uniquely express those values is through church planting and church revitalization. We desire to see more healthy churches all over the world. And, and, and we actually believe that so much that I would say the purpose and the greatest avenue that God created in order to carry his gospel to the world is the church. It's a collection of people locally that come together, put their hearts and minds together. We gather in a room, not just so we can just get filled and then go out and get depleted and then get filled, go out and get depleted. No, this is like the pep rally. We've talked about this on a Sunday morning. This is like when you pull into the pit, if you watch NASCAR, which I don't, but I've heard. Uh, I've tried. It's kind of like golf for me. I fall asleep very quickly. It's just that repetition. But I hear there's great things that happen. Uh, and, and, and they pull into this pit, and they get filled up again. And this is what Sunday morning is for us. We pull in here, and we've been running the race all week long on purpose, on mission, in joy. And we come in here, and we get filled up. And we believe that's what the local church is. Fill us up, send us back out. And the, the world needs little pockets of people, little local churches everywhere on mission, on, on purpose, on mission, in joy, taking the love of Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ into the world. So we absolutely believe that. We believe that the church should be healthy, and if you're on purpose, on mission, and doing it in joy, you're, you're going to be healthy. So we desire to see that go everywhere. One of the hardest things that, about moving here to this location we found was that when we came here, we had to leave our downtown location, which we loved being downtown. And there's something unique. If you've spent time downtown Stanton, it's its own little thing. You ever notice that? It's, it's like we're, we're not that far from downtown, but it feels different. The people are different, and that's sometimes good. There are people that live downtown that are different, and that can be good, but we're all, it's a little bit different. And, and, and we felt like, man, to reach that community downtown, it was our heart from the beginning when we planted church downtown, was to say, when we get down there, our heart really is to plant ourselves. We feel like we can be most effective in Stanton, the city of Stanton itself, by being downtown by being planting ourselves in the heart of the city itself to reach the people. So we, we miss that. And when we moved here, I believe God gave us this place on purpose. But he's given us a heart to plant and revitalize churches. So I want to announce to you this morning, church, that Church United is going back downtown again. Back downtown. Now, some of you are hesitant. You're like, Whoa, oh, no, parking, that stinks. I don't want to have to watch. Not, not all of us are going back downtown. We're still staying here. We're staying here. We're keeping this location, but we're going to get another spot downtown, a campus spot for us to reach the heart of downtown, to reach the demographic that God's called us to reach. So you wonder, well, what's next for Church United? What's next is we're, we're beginning to go on this mission that God has called us to, to begin to plant and revitalize healthy churches for the glory of God. So one of the problems with downtown is the place, and you say, where are you going? I don't know. You know, it's really hard to find a spot downtown, but I know who knows where we're going. God. 
he'll open up the door for that. But harder, believe it or not, harder to find the place. It's, it's harder to find the person that's willing to do it, that's willing to lead the charge. So I'm excited to announce this morning to you, church, that God has introduced to us and brought back an old friend of ours to lead the campus downtown, Pastor Mike Ney. Hey, stand up. Spin around in a circle. Just kind of show that off. Yeah. So we are excited. And if you don't know Pastor Mike, and you're like, who's that ugly bald guy? Another one? <laughs> yes, another one. And, and, and so here, here we are. Like 10 years later, after the first introduction to the Nay family, they came here uh, from Las Vegas about 10 years ago, and God connected our hearts together. We began serving together. Pastor Mike helped us get church uh, downtown off the ground. He was, uh, we pastored together in that church, got the whole thing started with many of you in here with that heart and that vision to reach downtown. And then about three years after we were rolling and going, God started working on Pastor Mike's heart again and his family and, and called them to go back to Las Vegas. So now three years later, he's working in threes for you, man. And that's a holy thing, like the Trinity. Um, and uh, so here we are, seven years after the initial plant. Oh, get all these holy numbers? Threes, threes, sevens. Oh, this is, this is divine. Uh, I didn't do that. Um, anyway, so we have all this. And, and his family, they, they moved back to Las Vegas, but now feel God beginning. And I won't tell, share all that story. But what I want to tell you this morning is we began praying and saying, as soon as we moved to this location, our biggest struggle with the leadership and everyone else and a lot of you that had a heart for downtown is we know that we're going to lose people that have that heart for downtown. And, and we love it down there, and we feel that God's has a, there's a unique demographic of people that need to be reached, and they, the way to reach them is going to be to be right in the heart of that. You say it's only a mile or up, up down the road, uh, and, and it's, it's a big, vast difference of a mile. It's a strange, it's strange thing, but it is very true. So Pastor Mike began praying, and I began talking to him. We're communicating, and he's saying, man, uh, he has that heart, and I want him to share that this morning. But we, we started praying, and then we went to, and I talked to uh, Pastor Josh Turner is on our elder board, and he's also the church plant strategist for Southern Baptist, and we're a Southern Baptist church, believe it or not. And... Um, and he is, uh, we started talking to Pastor Josh, and he said, oh, man, let's connect on this. Let's hook up on this. So over the past, like last month, Pastor Mike and Don were here in Richmond, and they went through the church plant training in, uh, in uh, uh, what's that called, Richmond? Uh, and, and they started, they walked through that process. Yet last couple days, um, not only was it my, myself and Pastor Mark there, but Sten Kempe, one of our elders, Will's Kitchen, one of our uh, instrumental leaders here at Church United, was there. We all worked together, and yesterday, Pastor Mike was approved um, and, and got his big certificate and everything to be an official funded church planter for Southern Baptist to plant a campus for our church. Isn't that exciting? So, we have confirmation, not only in Mike's heart and in our heart and Pastor Mark and, and with our leadership team, but confirmed through Southern Baptist that, man, God's going to do a work here. They want to support it, and we want you to be a part of that too. I'm so excited about what God's doing. I'm so excited about what's ahead. So enough from me. I want to introduce Pastor Mike Ney. Would you welcome him this morning? Thank you. Ha <laughs> ha 
Hey, church. How are we? Whew. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm a big baby, so I'll probably be emotional up here. My, my siblings always said that about me, um, that I cried a lot. Uh, I still cry a lot. Uh, man, it is good to see you. If, if uh, we don't know each other, it's an honor to, to be here to, to get to know each other a little bit this morning. Uh, I'll show you a recent picture that we took of our family uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, there they are. Uh, my wife is, uh, is currently a art teacher for middle school and high school. Uh, she is uh, courageous, more courageous than I am uh, in that. And then our daughter just graduated from Grand Canyon University uh, in communications and seeking God's face on what's next for her. Uh, and then our son graduated from boot camp uh, in the Coast Guard and is currently stationed, um, stationed in Kodiak, Alaska. And that is his dream. Like Vanessa and he would talk about Alaska a lot, and uh, that is his dream. He's like right there on an island. Uh, in fact, he's not on that island right now. He's on a ship. Uh, his captain told him yesterday they're going into 40-foot waves, um, and so he, he, they patrol the Bering Sea, where the, uh, those dangerous job shows are about. He's part of the rescue. Uh, and so going into these 40-foot waves, anybody get seasick or motion sick in here? Like, I can't handle one foot. Um, his captain said that there's a point where you're on this wave and you're seeing a wall of a wave, like you're on top and you see another one. Uh, like, ah, that's a, that's a bit much for me. Um, oh, so let me pray and let me share with you some things. Father, this morning, I'm in awe of you uh, as you do a work. I'm in awe of you as you do a work in this uh, family here and in families all around the world uh, as they follow you. So uh, I pray you empty me of myself as we uh, just hear from your word. God, that you, as uh, Laura said this morning, that you are seen and not me. Uh, and so that you would increase and I would decrease. Holy Spirit, that you'd move through us. That you'd do a new thing today. That we would be closer to you today than we were yesterday. That, that uh, we would be transformed more of you uh, to look like you today. And so, Holy Spirit, would you be in this room with us? For those who are aching this morning, I pray that you would just you would just be a comforter to them. That you would inspire in them this new work that you're doing in each of us. And so we pray that you are honored and glorified in the space. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, so, so even though he's 19 years old, he's in a ship, uh, and he gets to be in the bridge, and he gets to help navigate these 40-foot waves at some point. And so, so as he's in that ship, he's got a team with him that are kind of giving him some instruction. Uh, but that navigation is an interesting thing. Uh, back in the, like 4,000 years ago, the earliest recording of navigation on the seas was the Phoenician, the Phoenician people. And, and they were navigating the, the waters, but they all stayed pretty close to the edges of the, the, uh, the coast. They would stay along the coast. Uh, and it wasn't until the 13th century that, uh, that they were actually starting to map out waters. And they were going further and further out into the oceans, into the deep. Uh, and, and this navigation has changed throughout the years. There's been a lot of advancement. So from Lewis and Clark to Siri and Google, we've, we've transformed navigation. Like it's just constant in, in motion. Anybody remember before GPS? 
Do, do, you remember, do you remember when you had to buy a map and then you would take it and put it on your table if you're going on a journey and you'd take a highlighter and you'd mark it? Some of you do not remember those. And so you draw out your map and then, and then you tried the uh, impossible to fold that map back up. It was like putting a Christmas tree back in its original box. Or like, it's like putting a tent back into its bag after the first time you use it. So you take this, this, this map, and you think driving with a phone is dangerous. This map fills the entire cabin of your, of your car, covers the window as you're trying to find out where are you supposed to go. And so, so then you try to you know, put it back into the glove box. It never goes back in the same way. Uh, and, and along those routes, many of you would argue with whoever sat in the passenger seat on the right destination, the right route to get to the destination. Um, and some of you argue with Siri still about the right route. Like there, you are out there, like you are arguing with Google and Siri about you are taking me the wrong direction. Do any of you have that person in your family? No matter which route you go, like they always think there's a better route. Like it's a constant thing. Uh, some of you trust Siri too much. Like even if you're driving in the opposite direction, you still trust Siri. You still turn right when you know it's not over there, you know? So, so some of us, we just trust it too much. Like when we first moved into the valley in 2010, uh, Apple had just come out with um, its own version of Maps. And so, and AT&T was awful in this valley. I don't know if it still is, but it was awful. And so Don and the kids, the first week we were here, they were trying to find Gypsy Hill Park, and they used uh, Siri, and Siri took them out to Swope. And they were like, we don't know how to get to, and I remember them calling, and they just kept driving and driving, trying to find Gypsy Hill Park. Uh, and, and then there was, a, just a little bit later, we were trying to find Shenandoah Valley Airport, and Siri was taking us along that route, and I ended up in a cornfield. And Siri says, you've arrived. And, and what's crazy is it's actually partly true. Like, you've arrived in, at the airport. Uh, man, our lives are filled with navigation, both metaphorically and literally. Like, our souls, there's this navigation that's happening in us, this, this direction that's happening in us. And what I want to ask you this morning is, what is that destination? And then I want to ask you, how is your life today being reflected by that destination? Like, think on that a moment. Whether it's unintentional or intentional, there's this navigation ahead. We're going towards this destination. And, and, and our lives reflect that. Whether, whether we are aware of it or not, it reflects this direction that I'm going. My question to you is, where are you going this morning? This isn't a conversation of salvation. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what I'm talking about this morning. You've already made a decision to follow Jesus. You've accepted him as your Savior. But what does your life look like in regards to your destination? So we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. I understand you guys have been reading that a little bit lately. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. I'll have some of the... Uh, the uh, um, scriptures on the screen as well. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we'll start. And uh, there's a little bit of a conversation around this journey, this destination. And so, so what I want to read to you is just comes out of chapter 11. There's this list of people who are just faithfully following Jesus, like in mad pursuit of, 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 of the Yahweh in the Old Testament, and just constantly pursuing him. And there's this description of what their life looks like. And I want to read verses uh, 8 and on to you just for a moment here. 
It says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave him, leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without even knowing where he was going. Some of us, that could be said of us, that we don't know where we're even going. But look at the difference here with Abraham. And even he went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Those were his boys and grandson. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was as if their life reflected this pursuit, this destination of a city that was being designed and built by God. The writer of Hebrews would say in, in chapter 13, verse 14, he says this, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So say, say that with me. Ooh, does Siri think I'm saying something there? Uh, say this with me. Seek the city. Ready? Seek the city. Let's try it one more time with like, ah. Seek the city, yeah. So he's saying that there is no lasting city, but there is this city that's being built by God, and these faithful followers are looking forward to that destination. And not only are they looking forward to it then, their lives reflect that, that, that now. Sometimes we, we, as followers of Jesus, can be looking forward to eternity, but it doesn't impact how I'm living right now. It doesn't get reflected in how I'm living right now. But yet, in these faithful followers, this pursuit of this city is reflected in their decisions that they make today. Right now. They're living in eternity right now. In hopes of this city ahead. Even in the midst of suffering. That's the context of this chapter 13 passage. Even in the midst of suffering... There's this hope for the city. The decisions I make daily, the way I treat my neighbors, the way I treat my family, the way I treat my friends, what I do with my time, all reflect what I think of a destination ahead. What I seek, or, or that word could be translated what I crave, what I desire, what I intensely demand in my life is reflected in my day-to-day -day decisions. Eugene Peterson would describe this pursuit of the city as a long obedience in the same direction. Like this constant, I'm going to be obedient for the long haul because I see what's ahead. Thomas Aquinas, he's a 13th century uh, philosopher and theologian, and he asked this question of us. He would ask this question of followers for the last several thousand years, or hundreds of years, and he says this. He says, what would satisfy our desire? Like, what satisfies us? Like, what do we crave so much, and it, it's actually fulfilling to us? His, his answer to that is he would say Everything. That, that Pastor John Mark Comer would add to that. He would say, we would have to experience everything to be satisfied. We'd have to experience everybody. We'd have to experience uh, every restaurant. Some of you would love that, right? You'd have to experience every travel destination, every city, 
every exotic uh, place. You'd have to experience every natural wonder. You'd have to make love to every partner that you possibly could desire. You'd have to win every award. You'd have to climb to every, the top of every field. You'd have to own every single item there is to own in the world. That possibly could satisfy you. But Jesus would say you're still thirsty. Like you could just consume and consume and consume. What is it that's going to finally satisfy that thirst? When my kids were young, we loved reading to them. Uh, like books like Goodnight Moon. Remember that one? Or anything by Sandra Boynton. Any Sandra Boynton fans in here? Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yes. Um, there's this one book, not by her, but it was called If You Give a Pig a Pancake. If you give a pig a pancake, she'll want syrup to go with it. And you'll give her some of your favorite maple syrup, and then she'll probably get all sticky, so she'll want to take a bath. It's this great metaphor. Have you ever worked on a house project? You notice that the light bulb goes out, and you're like, oh, I need to go to Lowe's and get a new light bulb. And so you go to Lowe's, and you're going down an aisle, and you discover, hey, there's... This, this fan light combo is, is, is on sale. And man, I've been wanting to put a fan in my living room. So I grab this fan, I stick it into my, my cart, and I go a little bit further. And I think, man, I've always wanted to switch out those light switches, you know, those plates. Like I've always wanted stainless steel rather than the white. So I grab a bunch. I can't just do one. I'll do several of them. You put them in your, your cart. And then you somehow end up in the paint uh, department. And you think, man, I've always wanted to paint that, that accent wall on the, like a nice gray, like really calming gray. And so you buy a couple of gallons of paint, you throw it in, and then you think, there's no way that color is going to match that rug. And we've had that rug for like three years anyway, so, so hey, on, we're, we're just going to go to the home store on our way by, like on our way home. So, so as you're going to this home store, you see, you see a two-story house. And you've always wanted to have a two-story house with a family room upstairs and just like the living room downstairs. And so you call your realtor. Isn't that how life is? Like we get something, but we want something more. And then we get that, and we want something more. This isn't about demonizing buying things or, or demonizing doing house projects, right, Josh? Like, it, there, are some, there are some house projects that are from the pit of hell, right? Are you with me? Like, there are some, but this isn't about demonizing those things. Like, it's good to buy some things, and there's, it's good to, 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 to accumulate to some degree. But when life is all about that, when my life just reflects an accumulation of things by the end, is that really the life Jesus has called us to? Hmm. You know, I don't have this down completely. I'm still trying to figure out what is it to, to seek the city and my life reflect that. So in, in when I was 14 years old, I followed Jesus. I, gave my, I surrendered my heart to Jesus. When I was 16, I felt a calling to be a missionary, like God wanted me to live the life of a missionary. When Don and I were dating, we would talk often about what that would look like. What does the missionary life look like? By the time I was 19, we planted our first church. I was able to be a part of planting a church. 
My wife and I, when, the, a couple months after we were married, we joined her father, her stepdad, to plant another church, which didn't go real well. That was a tough one. And so, so then we, slow, we right after that, we, we helped with a, a new church campus on a Saturday night, like this new innovative thing of doing a Saturday night service, and we're a part of that. In 2009, or 2004, three of my friends and I, we planted a church together in a suburb of Las Vegas. And I think it was at that point where I realized this is what missionary life was like, that, that God is calling me to. This is kind of the missionary life he's calling me to. In 2009, Dawn and I heard this radical call to move to Virginia. We didn't know why. We didn't know where. We, we, we didn't have a job here. We had a great job. We were part of the church that was in Vegas. But we just felt like, oh, we're supposed to do this. And so we took our kids, then 9 and 11 years old, and we did some days of solitude. We did some praying over throughout the year of 2009 into 2010, spring of 2010. I still didn't have a job. Don didn't have a job. We're like, do we still do this? God, are you really asking us to do this? Yes, I'm asking you to do this. So we packed up all of our stuff. We moved out here in June of 2010 with still no job. It was the first time I actually hit the streets walking around trying to find a job. It was like, oh, God, please. I I feel like you're asking us to do this. It's almost that point where you're like, is this stupid or is this faith, right? Like, is, this, is God really asking us to do this? We ended up in Stanton uh, that fall. Uh, the, the second week, second Sunday we were here, uh, we went to Calvary Baptist Church. There was this guy that was supposed to be doing like a kind of a modern service at the same time called Engage in the same place. And so we went in there and we sat down and, and uh, Dawn began to weep. She's like, I think this is home. And that afternoon we ended up in their home. Like we were over at the Spencer's home that, that night. Like the same day we met them, we were in their house that afternoon. And became, became close friends. 2011, Rob comes to me and he's like, hey, you want to plant a church? I'm like, yes, that's, I would love to be a part of that. 2012 comes around, and he's like, hey, I think we have about six months of funding. You want to quit your job and just come on over? Hey, after six months, if it doesn't work out, we'll just go find something else to do, right? I'm like, yes, let's do it. 2013, church downtown was planted. And God did a, just a miraculous work in my life, in Rob's life, in our many lives in this room. In 2017, our family went back to Vegas to visit and all four of us felt that we were being led to go back. And it didn't make sense because everything was going well here. And we felt like, hey, we're supposed to be there. And we didn't know why. And we were just wondering, God, what would you have us to do here? And he was just like moving in us to be available. Like we were just supposed to be available. So we came back and Rob was super supportive. Many of you were super supportive. So we went ahead and just went back. And even it took about a year before we realized this is why you're here. Like sometimes the decisions that we need to make don't have anything to do with us. It's really that God is going to use us in other people's stories, right? Like that we are just supposed to be available and present in somebody else's life. And that's what happened. That's what took place. It would be a long story to share with you what took place over the last, and I'd love to share it at some point with you. And then last, a year ago, we felt God was calling us back here. 
I think there was a lot of calling back in between too, like over and over, like, oh, we're supposed to be back at some point in Stanton. Uh, but last year was really confirmed. And, but God just said, you got to wait. That's another whole story. And then we just kept on praying, God, would you allow this thing to happen? So let me pause for a second. This seeking the city, this life of a Jesus follower is never formulaic. So how he's moving in my heart, my life, will not actually be the exact same way he's going to move you. He's not asking you to move back to Vegas. Go to Vegas and come back here, go back to Vegas, anything like that. It's not formulaic, but there are some similarities in how we seek the city. And some of you would be like, well, how are we supposed to seek the city? Like, what is my life supposed to look like? And here's the second line I'm going to have you say out loud. Ready? Live the way. Will you say that with me? Ready? Live the way. Yeah. Not walk this way. We're not talking about Aerosmith here. Like, live this way. Like, this is the way that God has called us to. In John chapter 14, I want to read the scripture with you. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking to his followers. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we possibly know this way? Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Often we talk about the destination of the way. Like, Jesus is the way to the Father. But he's also the way as we live this life. Like, he is calling us to a way of living that reflects my pursuit of a city. And every day people are watching. Like, and he's calling us to live it right now. Live, step into eternity right now. And live this way, the way of Jesus. When our son was young, uh, barely even a teenager, um, he became somewhat of an apprentice to a woodworker downtown. His name was John Joe. John Joe was part of our church downtown team as we first started. And, and often he would go as a young boy and go and learn how to work, work wood. And as he's doing it, he's also learning the, the skills of hard work. He became an apprentice to John Joe. Just a little bit later, just a little later, he then joined uh, John and Gloria Gerber at the uh, farmer's market and became an apprentice to like that mad, fast-paced world of culinary arts, right? Like working downtown, uh, learning Salvadorian food. Uh, and so this apprenticeship life, many of you have gone through an apprenticeship life. You, you've, uh, whether it's this craft, this skill, this trade, whether you're like an electrician that has to go through several years of, of apprenticeship, taking a test and go several, several years of journeyman to become a master electrician. Like some of you are counselors where you've gone through several years of training to become a counselor. Apparently to become a Jedi Knight, it takes about two years. Some of you actually think you're young Padawans preparing some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> we learn a craft and a skill by first observing someone else's actions. We listen to their instruction and we practice their way. In his last words to, Jesus, to his followers, Jesus gave them a command to go into all the world, make disciples, and baptize them. And then he said this, 
Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That word observe means to take notice, like to watch and see. This is how Jesus lived. This is his way. And as an apprentice of Jesus, I'm going to follow that way. I'm going to live that way in my daily living. Like it's just going to play out regularly. Sometimes it won't be my default. Sometimes my default is going to be things that don't reflect Jesus. But then what will reflect Jesus is my confession. And then I'm going to follow him in the way. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus makes this intimate calling to each of us. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon me and look at these words and learn from me. We say that with me? And learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are a lot of reasons why he uses that word yoke, but one of the ways is the simple obedience to following his way. This idea of taking responsibility of walking in the way of Jesus. Eugene Peterson says it this way, and I have the quote up here. The Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life in you. We can't proclaim the Jesus truth, but then do it any old way that we like. Nor can we follow the Jesus way without speaking the Jesus truth. The way of Jesus is the way that we practice and come to understand the truth of Jesus. Living Jesus in our homes, in our workplaces, with our friends, in our family, and in our community, I would add. Listen, church. Jesus is better. His way is better than any other way that we could live. And I know there are a lot of things, like Thomas Aquinas would say, that are calling out to you to live in this way, to own this thing, to pursue this thing. But Jesus' way is better. Jesus is always better. And to live the way is always better. And to pursue a city, to seek a city in such a way that I crave him. And I crave him being lived out of me. There was a follower of Jesus named Peter who said 2,000 years ago, when Jesus asked, hey, are you guys going to leave too? Because there were a lot of disciples that were leaving and not following Jesus anymore. And Simon Peter says this in John chapter 6, Lord, to whom would we go? Like you're the only one to satisfy my thirst. You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So God is calling us to come back. And we want to show the downtown world, down in downtown Stanton, that he is the way, that he is better, that they can seek a city of hope. When they're thirsty and they're looking for so many other things, and they're convincing themselves, they're trying to convince themselves that all these other things are going to satisfy this thirst. We are going to be a light in the city. We're going to be the city on a hill. We're going to be a city that thrives. We're going to be a city that lasts. And we're just going to show these people, look at this way. Walk in it. He satisfies. Hmm. The life of a Jesus follower is an adventure. It's interesting to pack up all your stuff in a U-Haul go several thousand miles, then pack it up and go several thousand miles and anticipate this summer to drive, 
several thousand miles back. That's an adventure. It's good stuff. All the while seeking a city that will last. So how can you practice this? All right. So for the next several months as we pray about how this is going to look, every time you ask Siri or Google, Siri, take me to. I want you to consider seeking the city. I want it to be almost like this little landmark that reminds you of this conversation that when you tell Siri and Google to take you somewhere, you are also reminded to seek the city in your own life, like the lasting city. Not the one that doesn't last here, but the lasting city. And every time you pull that out, you're reminded, hey, this is what my life is really about. I'm seeking the city, and I'm going to live the way. And so, so that's number one. Number two, I want you to consider every time you do that, that Jesus is always better. There are times where we get off course and we're considering going other directions or we're considering the suffering is too much. Why am I following him? Jesus is always better. Number three, that you'd be available. That every day you're available to the Holy Spirit as he guides you as you're seeking the city. And as we talk about church planning and church revitalization, that you make disciples, that you make that part of your way of living. So I've got a couple resources. I always like to put out resources if you want to consider, like, I want to study this more. Eugene Peterson has a book called um, uh, The Jesus Way. I encourage you to read almost any, pretty much anything by Eugene Peterson, but I haven't read it all, so I don't know for sure. Uh, number two, Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster. I think you like that. If you're a reader, those are some great things to, to consider. But as I close, before I ask, uh, have Rob come up, I want to pray over you. Um, and then I'm going to first ask you to pray over my family. The end of Hebrews uh, chapter 13 he makes this request of other followers of Jesus. And he says this in verse 18. Pray for us that our conscience is clear because I want to live honorably in everything I do. And especially pray that I'll be able to come back to you soon. And I pray over you in verse 20. If you'll just bow your heads, let me just pray this this prayer of blessing over you. Church United, now may the God of peace who brought up the, from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all that you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Before you leave, Pastor Mike, let's pray for him. I could have some of our elders of our church come up here, or if you're a leader in the church in some way, come up here and just let's just gather around this guy and let's, let's pray for him. As that says, pray that God would be at work. Pray that God would do some awesome, mighty things. So just gather around, guys, and the rest of you, just stand with us. Just extend a hand forward, and let's pray for great things ahead as, uh, as God is at work. God is at work. Do you believe that, church? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. 
We thank you for how you're working, how you're moving, Lord. We thank you that your work is evident, that we don't have to guess that you're up to something, Lord. Uh, But we see what you're doing. We see how you're working, see how you're moving, Lord. So we're praying this morning, Father, as you've already put this in motion, we're trusting you, Lord. It's been confirmed uh, through other faithful men and followers of you, Lord, confirmed through our denomination, Lord, of just affirmation through those men and ladies that have uh, looked at Pastor. Pastor Mike and his wife, Lord, and just confirmed that calling in them, Lord, and we're excited about what you are doing. So we pray, Lord, in the months uh, ahead, Lord, the weeks ahead, as uh, they transition from one location to another, Lord, as he kind begins to uh, begins to step away from that ministry, Lord, allow him to lead well. And we thank you for church at Lake Mead, who has a sen- who they have a sending attitude, Lord. Even though the whole church is not aware yet, Lord, within the leadership of that church, there's a sending attitude and excitement, Lord, mm-hmm. about how they can be a part of what's going on uh, here in Stanton, Virginia, Lord. So we thank you for that. God, we pray that you would fill the role that Pastor Mike fills in that ministry, that you would bless that ministry at Church at Lake Mead, that you would use Pastor Mike and uh, and Don, Lord, to do great, uh, great things, Lord, to leave well, to finish well, Lord, and then continue to stir in their hearts, Lord, an excitement, a passion, vision, direction, Lord, for what you're leading them to here. God, we are so grateful for to be a part of this, Lord. We're thankful that a friend is returning, Lord, but not just that. You're bringing a pastor. You're bringing an evangelist. You're bringing a missionary to Stanton, Lord, to reach the heart of that community. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in advance because you're going to do great things. Mm-hmm. Lord, in our own lives, in our own hearts, we pray that you open up for us in our minds what you're calling us to do to be a part of this, how you're calling us to seek that city, Lord. Not necessarily just Stanton. We're seeking, Lord, your city. How we're living Mm -hmm. every day to proclaim your name, your word, your life, your truth, Lord Jesus. So we go, ask that you would go before us. Lord, we pray that you would be mighty and in charge, not only with Pastor Mike and his family, Lord, but in our lives, God. Help us to know how to move forward, to be a part of this, what you're calling us to do. Lord, may you pave the way before us, and we give you all the praise, Mm -hmm. and all the glory, and all the thanksgiving, and all goes to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you. Mm. We praise you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a praise Mm. offering, church. We are... Man, you could be seated just for a minute. I only take a couple more minutes. Here's all I want to say. I, I am... I am pumped. God is doing great things. Now, some of you may be light years ahead, and you're thinking, oh, Pastor Mike, he's going to come back, and then going back to the theater, I don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening yet, so don't assume things, because then you'll be disappointed. Uh, Pray. So you say, how can we partner together in this right now? Begin praying, because our heart and our desire is to reach that city. And, and, and how do we do that? Well, we, we know who knows best. That's God. So we're praying that he opens the doors for that. We're, we're praying that he would lay on some people's hearts. We're praying that then also the other side of that is uh, he, Pastor Mike is receiving some funding through Southern Baptist, but that's not all there. So he's praying and seeking some support in this financially. How, how does a church do this? I don't know. 
We take big steps of faith and we just say, God, you're opening this door. We don't need to know all the answers. We don't need to know what building, when it's going to happen, when it's going to start. We don't need all those answers, God. We just know that you're calling. And as Pastor Mike read that verse on Abraham, he just took a step of faith and he said, I don't know where you're calling me to. I don't know all the when, the why, the how, all that stuff. But I do, well, I do know the why because you've called. And, and Abraham just walked. And that's where we're at right now. This is the stage we're in. This is just the beginning. So you might be like, well, what is this? And what about that? And where if we go here? This is shh, shh, shh. Give me a headache. I don't want a headache, you know? Take those questions to God and begin asking God. Seek the Lord in prayer and ask for us. Pray with us and begin to say, God, what are you calling me to do? How are you calling me to be a part of that? It's exciting to be on a journey with Christ. It's exciting to be a part of a movement that God is at work. And I'm just telling you, this is the tip of the iceberg. God is working and moving in many ways right now. And I keep thinking, what's next? The best is yet to come. As we trust in him, we give our hearts to him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. We're going to sing a song in just a minute and get ready to close and go out together. But I've been giving you some devotionals. So I want you, as Pastor Mike gave you a few, few resources and things to read, I want to kind of whet your appetite. As we talk about how to get this going, what it takes is people living lives of generosity, that we are generous givers, not only with finances, but our time, our talent, our treasure, our thanksgiving. So I want to call you this week. I want to whet your appetite this week and take, point you to a devotional that I would love for us to read. Uh, and, and the devotional is right here. It's called The Genius of Generosity. Generous living is joyful living. This is a five-day reading plan. You'll find it on version. We'll send out something on Facebook maybe later today and email email tomorrow should go out about that to give you a link to that. But if you're on version, look up this plan, and I want us to read this together this week and get ready for next week because we're going to be talking about how God can use us, our time, our talents, our treasure, our thanksgiving in advancing his kingdom, living on purpose, on mission, and enjoy. And we're going to do this together. Amen.